Boy, I tell you, last night I went to bed and then I woke up with a song on my mind of all songs. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You guys remember that old one? And, and that's been running through my mind. Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? And then were you there when they laid him in the tomb? And then were you there when that stone was rolled away? In other words, he rose. And I've been thinking about that. And I was like, Lord, why did you bury that in my spirit? And to the point where I wrote the lyrics down in my notes, but it wasn't fitting anywhere. And as I was looking around today and looking at all the people they're up here. We had altar teams. We're up the second and third level of altar teams today because you guys are going through stuff. And, and, I, and back to that song, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yeah, you were. You were there because he, he took on everything that you're going through today on that cross. And he took it on for you. And then he rose above it in victory and so will you. But the key is, is we got to surrender to him and we got to give it to him. And that's what you're seeing in the altar teams today that, that people are saying enough. Uh, I'm going for a prayer of agreement because Jesus paid the price for me. And I want to encourage you today that you're not alone, that Jesus is with you every step of the way. And, and, and guys, you know, Joe made a comment, our youth's on fire. Well, I think anybody that's on fire that allows the Lord to do his thing in their life because you can't help but, but be on fire. And so today I see a church on fire. And you can go ahead and be seated. Yeah, give the Lord praise if you want to give me praise. But I see a church on fire today. And, and that's where I'm going to move into. I've got a testimony this morning of a young lady that's on fire for the Lord, and the Lord's done a work in her life, and she's going to share with you this morning, Angie, if you want to come on up here, and, and anyhow, I'll let you hold this mic, or you want me to hold it, I can, oh, I but main thing is get it close where they can hear you, but Father, I lift my sister to you today, and Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that resides in her, Father, that, that gives her the freedom that she's experiencing today, that, that as we receive your salvation and as we separate unto you, Father, we can't help but share what you've done for us because you are God, you're it. And we give you glory, honor, and praise for that. And we thank you for the peace that's upon her today to share in Jesus' name, amen. So I had the wonderful opportunity to go to uh, Kansas City VBS this year. And uh, man, let me tell you, my heart was open wide. Um, I felt peace that I've never felt before because I shared the test this same testimony for the first time there. And it was, it was a lot, but it lifted a big old weight. And um, I just wanted all of you to hear it today. So, a few years ago, I started something that little did I know would change my life for the worst. I got caught up in the fleshly desires of the world, and I didn't understand my sexuality for a little while. It was definitely a lot of a struggle, lies, and deceit. I knew it was wrong, and yet I continued. I continued to hide it from everybody I love, and it eventually got out that I was dating the same sex. 
I continuously tried denying it in front of my parents, which led to a home visit slash talk with Joe and Heather. I lied straight to their faces when I told them I wouldn't continue, and yet I did for a little bit. I even lied to my own grandmothers as I went down this path of lies that I eventually got lost in. The devil had me in a tight grip, and it was known. Many already knew and would watch and see me go to church and know the word, but then act as a, as a false prophet and go against the word. With this came a different struggle. It was causing the one thing I feared to happen. It was tearing my family apart, and I struggled super hard after I realized that. Finally, after having multiple hangouts and fun times with an amazing guy is when I realized that I knew exactly what my sexuality was and I realized that, did, that the devil had skewed my path tremendously. I realized that I needed to apologize to my parents even though at the time I was still trying to gain trust back. It took a lot of control and tears to completely quit everything connected to the situation. She would still show up at my work as a temptation but I would try to ignore her. There were times where she would contact me, so I blocked her on everything I had and quit having contact altogether. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I saw through the lust of the, lust of the flesh and world, and I quit having so much pride to deny what I did. I'm here to tell you that after I quit and just put all of my trust in God, he has been blessing me every day since then. I've become a member of the praise team, I got engaged to a wonderful man, and he continues to grow my heart and hunger more for him. At Kansas City, I even asked him to search my heart and give me everything he's got because I hunger for his presence and I've grown to spend more time with the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 states, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own misunderstanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That is exactly what he did with me. I followed his lead and he's leading me in a more blessed and amazing path of life. If it weren't for me stopping the situation and realizing, I would still have been living in a life filled with sin and shame. I probably wouldn't even have the guts to say any of this in front of anybody, but I am here telling all of you, if you struggle with an addiction or something, or just struggle with trusting in the Lord, to just give in to the words of the Bible, because if you don't, you will go down a path that is really hard to steer away from. To this day, it still affects my family, especially my brother, and even though I have found a way out, there's always consequences for my actions of the past. So trust in him, and he will give you the knowledge of understanding the situation. Aren't we proud of this brave young girl today? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise what you do in our life. Father, that nothing's too big for you. That's right. Nothing's too big for you, Lord, and we give you glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Proud of you, young lady. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Man, I'm proud of her. Um, she came up and asked me if she could share, and, and I said, you pray about it and then let me know, and, and, and I'll for sure do that. But what I caught in this today, and I've been hearing it, and it's 
To me, it's going through the body, but she was hungry. She was hungry for something different. And, and she found out that hunger was the Lord. And that's a lot of us today that we're hungry and we're searching in all the wrong places to be filled. And, and when you search in Jesus, you're going to be filled. And I've been hearing that everywhere, people getting delivered, getting set free. And, and that's what it takes is surrendering to the Lord and just saying, here I am, God. Here I am. And I just praise God for her today. Um, the sermon's been on my heart. And I think I've had the title before, Hungry, but, but it's just burning on me. And, and um, Rick Just is the TCAT chair over the Heartland Global Methodist Church that we're affiliated with. And, and I saw he's been preaching a series on Hungry. And, and I thought, boy, I don't believe in coincidence, you know. And then my wife gets up this morning and, and said her memory verse was talking about being hungry and thirsty for the Lord. And, and guys, are we hungry today? And, and we need to be hungry. And we got four points I want to kind of hit today, but, but they all start with S. But hunger for salvation, and I'm calling that a calling, uh, hunger for separation, being separated from this world, a hunger to share, and a hunger to save. And, and when we get a hold of this and we get hungry for the Lord, uh, we're going to respond the same way that Angie did today. Man, we get filled with Jesus so full and we separate and we get away from all the crud and, and we can't help but share and want to save others. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. And to be honest with you, uh, next week, I think I'm going to swing back in uh, and read the first part of the chapter. But today we're going to read verse 1 and we're going to jump down to 17. And, and I believe that verses 17 through 32 is a practical explanation on how to live out our Christian life. Uh, Paul notes and talks about what I've been talking about today is wallowing under the power of sin or opposing it and thriving in the power of Christ. And Christians, we got to put off. And I think we think that putting off, uh, we'll get into scripture here in a minute, but, but, but Paul was talking about putting off the old ways. Well, they're, they're going to try to come back. But, but, but there may be even some old ways in you that you don't know about and the Holy Spirit reveals them to you and says you need to deal with that. But we need to be constantly separating the things of this world out so that we can be effective for Jesus Christ. And, and a lot of you aren't hungry today because you're, you're in that wallow. When I think of wallow, we used to raise pigs and, and, and man, we're, we're down in it. And, and, and the only time that we can get any relief is when we're buried in the mud with our nose sticking up. But I always remember when we'd go out there with a water hose and, and we'd start spraying them old hogs, they'd come out of the wallow and they liked to be sprayed clean. But they always did go back to it, it seems like. And I wasn't planning on saying all that today, but, but we got to be careful not going back. Oh, I'm saved now. We're good. I can keep on. Well, let's be hungry until Christ comes. So Ephesians 1 
I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And we're going to jump down to 17 again. I think Paul goes into talking about the church and the unity in Christ and the church and all that. But, but then he talks later about, anyhow, I'm going to jump to 17. We'll talk about that next week probably. But now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in, is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous. And if I'm right, guys, that's the only time in the word, the, the, in, the, in the ESV anyway, that the word callous is used. They have become callous and had given themselves up for sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learn. That's not Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self. There's that putting off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life in corrupt and is corrupt through deceitful desires. The reason I was hesitating there, I was thinking of the song that the praise team sang, that it's not our song anymore. When we give our lives to Jesus, it's not our life anymore. It's his. It's his. To put off, verse 22, the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and true holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for the building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name today. And Father, as we read your scripture today and things popped into our mind that, that we need to lay at your feet, Lord, we lay them down there now. And Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit just disbays us today, Lord, that we're bathed by your Spirit, Lord, and we're refreshed and we're new, and we realize that in you, you paid the price. And Father, when we hunger and thirst for your righteousness, we will see you. And so today, Father, we want to see you. We hunger for you. We want all of you, Lord. I ask that the unsaved would run these altars today. Father, I ask that the backslidden would give their lives totally to you, Lord. I ask that the heavy laden would just lay it at these altars today and say, I'm going to rest in you. 
Father, we bind that spirit of anxiety that plagues this place. And Father, let your peace rest on us today. In Jesus' name, Lord, speak to us. You're our God and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. A hunger for salvation. As we saw in there, salvation is a calling. And, and I want to address, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Paul said he was a prisoner, meaning God captured his heart. Man, he's a lifer for Jesus. I worked in the prisons for a few years, and, and the lifers, man, they were in and they couldn't get out. Jesus, Paul was saying, was, was his master. And he was a prisoner. He was a lifer that would eventually die for his Savior. Man, that's being hungry there. That's hungry. Are you that hungry today? Are you that hungry that you say, I'm a lifer no matter what's going on in this world? The Lord's checking me that song that I was talking about early. Were you there? It was written by American slaves and they believe they wrote that because they could relate to it. Christ was there when he, they were put into slavery, when they were bound, when they were beat. They wrote that song because Christ experienced that with them and they felt they weren't alone and they gave them hope. You know, some of them were slaves their whole life, but it gave them hope that even when they died, they would be with Jesus and they wouldn't be a slave no more. Is our life tough? Go to Jesus because he paid the price for you. Go to salvation, but remember that, that don't do it just to get the touchy-feely. Do it because it's a calling. It's a commitment. But as Paul said in the scripture, it's a calling to righteousness. As Angie shared this morning, God called her to righteousness. And she said, I hear you, Lord. And she hungered for that righteousness. And look how it's touched her life. Calling is a way of life, a vocation, a mission. If you look it up in the dictionary, what this meant exactly here in the scripture was a call to live righteous, a call to live in unity in the spirit, which we'll get into next week, a call to be one with Christ in humility, gentleness, patience, love, unity, peace, and hope. And guys, if you realize that, he was calling them to be fruitful, as he talked about in Galatians, because he mentioned most of the fruits of the Spirit there. But Paul said to walk worthy, meaning worthy because you deserve a special thing. Walk deservingly into righteousness, which means you don't have to wallow in your sin no more. Jesus has made you worthy. You deserve that special thing. Boy, some of you can't get a hold of that today, and that's why you're in misery. Because Satan's got you bound, and you think you're bound for all eternity. When you are worthy because he made you worthy, he was there. You were there, and he paid that price. Jesus has made you righteous and has given you the power to walk in that righteousness, receive the calling. 
receive the calling, receive that. I want Jesus. I want to be saved. And point two, I have a hunger. I want to separate. I want to no longer walk as a sinner walks. Verse 17. I want to do what Jesus did and and called us to do. Jesus said to put off the old self. The old life, verse 22. Separation is a putting off of that old self. I don't want it no more. And and guys, we got to get there. You will never experience revival like you can until you submit to the Lord. When you submit to him and get everything out of the way, when you submit to righteousness, you will see God. And are you saying, well, you can't be without mistake? Guys, I make mistakes, but I don't walk in it. I may for a time and the Lord checks me and we, we separate from it. We put it off. But as we see, separation is putting off the old self. Salvation is renewing that mind. And then you're saved. You're putting on that new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That's you. You just got to want it. Receive that call to salvation and walk in that calling. Separation is a putting off of being calloused. And this is something that I have to really fight because it seems like the older we get, we don't stay as excited as we once were about the Lord. We become none and, and just desensitized by the Lord if we're not careful. Or from just this world maybe, I don't know. But you got to put off the sensuality. And the sensuality is our senses. And and what we may see sometimes, we got to see what God sees and put off the flesh. But guys, becoming numb and desensitized is what callous means. Sensuality in verse 19 literally means in the Greek to live in sensuality is is literally to live without restraints, to do whatever you feel like doing regardless of what God or anybody else says about it. That's why a lot of us are miserable today because we know that we shouldn't be doing what we're doing, but we keep doing it and then we become desensitized. We just don't feel him anymore. We don't sense him anymore. We got to put it off the sensuality. This world tries to tell us, you do whatever you want to do. You, you live however you want to do. You don't have to worry about anything. Guys, the enemy's got this at hand, doesn't he? He's got this US of A fooled. Because we're into sensuality big time. We need to put it off. Put it off. Paul talked about putting off malice. Malice is the desire to do evil. Put off slander. Slander is making up false lies. Put off commotion. A state of confused and noisy disturbance. Put off bitterness. Bitterness is an anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly and it turns into resentment. These are the things mentioned in the scripture today. And you notice I kept saying we, 
because I struggle with some of them things. I've been really struggling with bitterness lately. Bitterness towards the United Methodist Church. Bitterness towards that whole disaffiliation thing. And I've got to watch it or it's going to turn into resentment. And I guess I battled with it all the way through, but, but I'm really struggling with bitterness. And I can't give in to it. And so we are going through things and we will continue to go through things. But we know that, that we were with him that day on the cross and he paid the price for us to overcome this so that we could walk in righteousness. And slide number nine was Curtis. His hunger for God challenged most of the VBS team in Kansas City. I want you to get a good look at him. Man, he's got a testimony. You want to hear about a testimony? You know, we all do, but we like to think some are worse than the other. Well, if you don't have Jesus and you are the best person in the world, you're going to hell. So when Jesus saved you, you got just as good a testimony as Curtis does. But Curtis there had a lifestyle of gangs, drugs, fighting, all the, everything that, that you think, oh my goodness. He gave his life up for Christ. And the key to his success he kept going over and over and over in his testimony as he shared the other night. The key to his success was separating to God. He said every time that, that, that he would get his life going for the Lord, he would relapse when he put himself in his old environment. And, and right or wrong, he knew that if he got around any family... For a period of time, he would relapse. So he cut off his family. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? How many of you like, you, you cut your family off? He cut them off because when he got around them, it would pull him back into that old lifestyle. So he had to give up his family. He had to give up his friends to the point he moved out of town. Man, this guy shared everything that he'd give up because he kept relapsing. But he said, once I got around people that would lift me up, and, and he said, I'd break through. And he's on fire for the Lord, and he's talking about the Lord today, and he thinks he's getting stronger, but he's right now has got a nephew that's graduating uh, high school, he may already had, but he was praying about, he, he wanted to go support his nephew, but he didn't want to take a chance of relapsing back in his old lifestyle. Are we that serious about God? Are, are we that serious about God that we're not going to do anything that would cause us to relapse into our old ways? In other words, if, if we put ourselves in this situation and it pulls us down every time, are we willing to cut that situation out? 
Or we just keep playing along, playing the game. See, I think that's where a lot of Christians are at today. They keep playing the game. Because they really don't want to surrender and give it up for the Lord. Because it's going to be a struggle. I knew when I gave up some old ways, it was, some was hard, some was easy. But I knew there was going to be a struggle. Are we willing to separate at all costs so that we can stay close to Christ? Are we willing to do whatever it takes that nothing's going to separate us from the love of God? But I hate to say most of America don't want to do that. They like their sensuality. They like to do what they want to do instead of what God wants to do. The poll came out yesterday and, and everybody thought it was so awesome. But 22% of the United Methodist churches have disaffiliated. 22%. In other words, 6,232 churches out of 30,000 churches have disaffiliated. That made me want to weep. That over 78% of the churches were okay with sensuality. They didn't need to surrender to God. We just need to, to love on the world. But that's why so many people are in bondage today. Is they are not completely separated from the old sin or, or they're just, just playing with it. And today's the day to change that. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Were you there when they crucified the Lord? Galatians 2, 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You were there. Jesus took our physical and our mental sicknesses, our sin, all spiritual bondage. In Mark 2, 5, when the paralytic was brought to Jesus, and we all know the story. Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. Why didn't he say you're healed? Because sin, sickness, death, the results of sin that we battle, these bondages, sickness is a part of that. Mental sickness is a part of that. Physical sickness is a part of that. And Christ said in verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise up from your bed and walk. Because I paid for it at the cross. I paid for it at the cross. I, Christ, bore your sins in my body on that tree. That you might die to sin and live to righteousness. By my wounds you have been healed. And I put 1 Peter 2.24 in the first person of Jesus. But that's his words to us today. Are you hungry and tired of bondage? You can get deliverance today. And point three, a hunger to share. 
Paul gave an example of this. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Separation from stealing, move into a job, make money, and then share it with people. Salvation plus separation equals sharing. Sharing is making a stand for Jesus. Man, these storms have rolled in this past week, and man, there's nights that have been five hours of thunder and lightning, and boom, boom, boom. And I called mom one of those days. I don't remember which one. I said, how much rain did we get? And she said, two tenths. And I said, after all that noise, two tenths? Guys, it's time to quit making noise and start standing and start saying and start sharing the word of God. You, the Christian, we are the face of God. And we are called at times to share hard things with people. It's not our job to be popular or sensual. Our job is to be effective and effective to leading people to Christ. As verse 24 said, speak the truth with his neighbor. Speak the truth to your neighbor. We need to stop being nice and start sharing and standing for truth. And guys, I heard this in a testimony the other day, and it stuck with me. But, but a brother wrote an article, and, and he said that, that the old saying, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, sometimes leadership requires more than being nice. In fact, as far as I'm able to tell, the word nice does not appear in the Bible. However, kindness does. Kind does. 356 times in the Bible, and a careful read of each verse reveals what God calls us to do. What God calls us to is much more than being dysfunctional, nice to one another. God calls us to be kind. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And in this article, he went on to talk about uh, this guy, Barry Corey, that wrote a book, Loving Kindness. And Barry shares some definitions of niceness, slide 11. Niceness has a soft edges and a spongy center. Niceness may be pleasant, but it lacks conviction. It has no soul. Niceness trims itself to prevailing culture, wins and wanders aimlessly, standing for nothing and thereby falling for everything. Niceness avoids conflict and retreats from the prospect of the adversary. It prefers the comfort of the status quo. And I thought, man, that is a church world that I see so much. Especially what we came out of is we're trying to be nice instead of being kind like the Word of God says. And you say, Pastor, I'm not following you. What's wrong with nice? Well, here's what kindness means. Slide 12, kindness, on the other hand, has a firm center. Firm center. Not a center, center. With soft edges. Kindness has conviction. It has courage. 
It has a solid backbone. It also, after some, something, it's also after something more than being accepted or getting along. It's a radical commitment to speaking truth. It expresses costly love. Kindness isn't badly, uh, blandly pleasant, and it's definitely not safe. Kindness takes risk. It walks lovingly toward difficulty and risks, risk derision. It doesn't shrink in the face of conflict. Brother Farrell's the one that shared this from the WCA. He's one of three that wrote the doctrine and discipline for the Global Methodist Church. Now, again, this was he quoting, he was quoting Barry Corey. But he had been called, and, and somebody called him and said, you're the, you're the most hated Methodist ever because of this, what you've done and the stand you've made. You're the most hated person ever. And man, when somebody calls you that and tells you that, did I hate you and all that? But doesn't that what the world tells us? If you don't comply to who I am, you hate me, you don't like me. When kindness, you know, it's sitting in there and saying, yeah, I do like you, but I am firm in what I believe. And I like you so much that I'm going to share with you what I believe. I like you so much that I want you out of the bondages you're in. And I'm going to stop being nice and patty puffing you every time you come around. Church, we need to stop being nice and accepting everything as status quo and start being kind and sharing God's word. That's kindness. Man, you can save somebody's soul for eternal hell with kindness. That's what I keep employing of you guys that Man, who are you witnessing to? Who are you sharing kindness with that's not like you? And, and we think it's color. And we think it's money. And we think it's status quo. When, when guys, it's the sinner. It's people that doesn't know Christ. Those are the ones that are different from you. Who are you ministering to that aren't like you? Who are you sharing Kindness with. We must listen to the kindness of the Holy Spirit and get our own lives right. And then second, we need to saturate others with the kindness of grace and the truth of the Word of God. And do it in love. You know, we talked about the attributes earlier, the, the calling that's upon us. Love is the key. Loving kindness. Love somebody into the kindness of God. That's what they want. They keep coming to you because they want a different answer. They come to you because they know you know the Lord. Be kind and share them. Even if it's against what they're living. But you do it because you love them. But that takes us in the last point. We've got to have a hunger to want to save people. And sometimes I don't have that hunger. I get fed up. They don't even want to save themselves. 
Paul said, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Speak the truth to your neighbor. For we are members of one another. We need to speak truth to our church buddies. Speak truth to the sinner, to the saint. But speak truth in grace. I remember that one of the first sermons the Lord gave me after this disaffiliation thing. And he kept going on, grace and truth, grace and truth. John chapter 1, grace and truth, grace and truth. We got to operate in grace and truth. Who are we witnessing to that doesn't look like us? Just think if you witness to the thief and he was made righteous, then now he has something to share. You share this kindness with a sexual immoral person and they will receive it and they will be sharing what Christ did in their life. That's how revival starts. Put that picture of Curtis back up there. Would you have led or even stopped to talk to Curtis? You see the teardrop? That's gang. Just his tats scared me. <laughs> and if you look at Joe, Joe, you're what, 6'4", 6'3", 6'2", you're a big man. And this guy's your size, and I wouldn't want to met him in the dark alley. Would you witness to Curtis? Do you love him enough to save his soul in Jesus' name? Because there's a lot of Curtises that we run into every day. Yesterday I was telling Joe, I was about half flustered, but I went in for an eye exam and, and the doctor didn't show. And I wanted, if I'd have got focused on that, because I drove all the way to Joplin and she asked me, well, where do you live? And I said, Lamar, like, I don't want to come back. Well, we're having trouble getting a doctor. That made me mad. But I put off the anger. And I just started talking to her. And found out she's from New Jersey. And what are you doing here? Why here? She said, oh, this place is boring. I said, y'all go to Lamar. And I said, no, Lamar's, I love it, country. She said, there's just nothing to do. I go, why'd you come? I'm just helping my friend. She kept saying, helping my friend, helping my friend. And I think it was a partner personally, but I don't know. And I go, what's wrong with her? And she's dying. Starting to get somewhere with a gal and they get interrupted. And it's bugged me ever since that I haven't got to see her. I've been almost mad. Lord, did I miss it? Was I not quick enough? But we have opportunities every day. I think I took the picture out of Ricky, Ricky Beach, but Ricky Beach is a chaplain that leads Curtis and many guys to Christ. And, and Ricky, is, he's straight color farm boy, good boy. 
grew up in that lifestyle, but he was called to be a chaplain. And man, he is hungry to bring people to Christ. And boy, he works it. And we need a lot of people hungry to win people to Christ. But I close with this. Man, when I was at Bible college, we were so hungry. But the reason we were hungry is because we've seen people getting changed for Christ daily. People delivered to demon possession, prostitutes. I remember one time uh, Brother Swigert was battling the 7-Eleven pornograph stuff. They were selling pornographs in 7-Eleven. He was making a big push and trying to get it out. And they sent a bunch of these thugs in there in their suits and black ties. And, and they were big old gorilla dudes. And, and they were in there to intimidate him. And most every one of them got saved that day in the service. Are they sending people to Oakton to shut us up? And he went them to Christ. Even the day that, that he confessed his sin, a lady that I'd been working on for two years gave her life to the Lord that day. And I wept like a baby because she was so hard. But the student body, we were living in revival because we were seeing such a move of God of people like you and I that were just going out and telling people about Jesus. They are getting saved, getting filled with the Spirit. And man, the God was moving on us. And man, it was just snowballing. Move of God. To be honest with you, it was so powerful that after I got back, I couldn't find it anywhere in a church like that. And, and I'll be honest with you, I sat at home for six months. Because, Lord, every church I've been to, they're just not there, Lord. And, boy, the Lord nailed me one day and said, you get in there and make the difference. You get in there and bring that life. I remember one time I slayed the Spirit for eight hours at least at Bible college. But since then, I've been slayed in the Spirit around here. Maybe not eight hours, but out under the presence of God because of the move of God going on in the bodies. It just takes being hungry. And if you become callous, it just means to shake it off. Shake off the hardness of heart. Press into Him, into your calling, into your salvation. Praise team, if you want to come on up. But just pressing into Him, into that calling, that salvation. Are you hungry for something different today? Are you hungry? I'm tired of this lifestyle and I feel the call to salvation. You know, all of us are wanting to call upon your life. Well, you do to get saved. Now get saved and then start sharing. That's the call. Are you hungry today for salvation? If you're here today and you're not saved, you never graced church before. You don't want church. You didn't want it before, but, but you're wanting something different. You're wanting this calling, this salvation. I want you to come to me today. Be bold. You got to want to shake it off.
I know when I got saved, it, it took a little shaking because my leg didn't want to move up and go to the altar. And I had to do a little shaking and making my flesh come in line with my spirit. And I went up before this church and confessed to Uncle Walt, actually. I had confessed to my dad in the, in the motel, but I come back to church body. But we got to be bold in this calling. We got to be willing to be that prisoner for the Lord, a lifer. That no matter what goes on in my life, I'm going to serve you. Even if I'm a slave and in slavery getting beat every day, I'm a lifer. I'm a lifer. And guys, I've had to do that in tarts. When the times aren't so good, you got to make your mind up to be a lifer. When times are good, you're praising God and continue to be a lifer. But through the valleys, through the hills, through the mountaintops, I'm a lifer. And that's the way it's going to be. we got to make that decision. Maybe there's some believers today that just need to say, I'm done. I'm a lifer. I'm tired of this nonsense. I'm a lifer. And two, I'm going to separate. I'm wanting this no more. I want some accountability. I want some partnership. I'm wanting something different. Just got to shake it off. I want you to come to these altars today because I don't care what bondage you're in, whether it's physical or spiritual, Christ paid the price. You were there that day and he paid the price for any bondages that attack you and they're gone in Jesus' name. But you got to shake them off. Come up here and shake them off. Grab a hold of that altar and do a little leg kick because you don't need me to pray for you. You just got to want it. But I'll come in behind you and pray if you want to. But we got to have that hunger to share. I get it thrown in my face. Pastor, we're not in revival. Well, get to doing something then. Share Jesus. People start getting saved. You're going to get excited. And they're going to get excited. And boom. That's an open story. That's why we're where we're at today. is because you guys are excited about who you are. Let's stand to your feet today. And Father, we just are hungry for you today, Lord. And, and Father God, is we're hungry, Lord. Father, we ask that we have the, the uh, we got the anointing, Father, that we have the boldness to, to shake it off and step out for you. And Father, I know you told me that if people would shake it off and come to these altars, you will be delivered, period. But you got to want it. If you want to be saved today, come up here. We're going to pray for you, but you got to want it. If you want to be a lifer and you haven't been living for God and you want to be a lifer, well, shake it off. Come up here and you're going to get it. If you need to be refilled, refreshed in the Spirit, come get it. But are you hungry? Are you hungry? It's up to you.